Hello, everybody. Welcome to Haunting My Podcast this week. Thank you so much for tuning in each and every week right here on Facebook Live. Thank you for watching live. But you can also listen to us on the podcast apps later on if you missed a live show here on our Facebook page. Uh, this week we have reached episode number 18 of season 2 already. And things are just flying by. So thank you everybody for all your support. And uh, don't forget to share and everything on social media across Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and Instagram as well. So thank you for following us. Uh, today we do have a special guest joining us. We have a special tour planned as well of their location. She's going to take us around and show us what's going on. But we welcome today to the show Rebecca Williamson. She is of Cambrai House in Illinois, USA. So let's bring her on and say hello to Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, doing wonderful. Had a great weekend this weekend. Uh, thank you for taking your time out to be here and tell us about your property today. Yes, you're welcome. I always like giving tours of the house, so it was great. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so whereabouts are you, first of all? And uh, tell us a little bit about the, your location down there. Sure. I am just outside of Nauvoo, Illinois. Um you're not familiar with Nauvoo, which there are certain people are. Um, Nauvoo was uh, where Joseph Smith started the Latter-day Saints religion. Um, so there's a certain set of people that know exactly where Nauvoo is. Um, Nauvoo is in central Illinois, just across um, the river from Iowa. So that, hopefully that kind of <laughs> gives you a better idea where we're at. Um, this property here um, was owned by my grandparents. Um, they bought this in 1979 um, from French egg carrions, Adolph and Hortense Cambry. Um, so I'm going to plop the camera around and give you the grand tour here. I'll talk some more. So there's the house. The house there was built in 1867. Um, this, let's see, here's the barn. This field here was an apple orchard. Um, this was a working apple orchard from around the 1850s until the 1940s. And so it, this was a real farm. <laughs> um, my grandmother had come here as a child to pick apples and she loved coming out here. And then in the, 1979, when the property here went up for auction, she had to come out and see it for one thing. <laughs> and she told my grandfather she wanted to buy it. And my grandfather wasn't as convinced until he got out here. And as you can see, it's pretty gorgeous out here. My grandfather fell in love with this property too. And they bought it with the intention of preserving the history out here. Um, they never lived out here and they never actually intended to live out here. They just wanted to preserve the history of this home. And so uh, the Cambry family, like I said, they built this in 1867, and they lived here until 1978. Um, so four generations of Cambrys um, lived and died here on the property. Um, so, give you, like I said, I'm going to give you the real tour. <laughs> um, this yeah. whole front yard, 
as you can see, it's pretty long. This uh, was all garden um, when the Camrys lived here. And there's a lot of flowers and stuff. They were really into flowers. So they were French Icarians. Icarian is a communal utopian society that was born out of the French Revolution. And they came here to Nauvoo to create that society. Um, came up through New Orleans. And you can see the little gingerbread on my house. Uh, that's a Creole-inspired design there. Um, and the house is on the National Register of Historic Places because architecture so here's the kitchen um kitchen living room and dining room and that door to there goes down to the basement um this is the same floor plan in as it was in the 1860s um all the woodwork here in the house is original to the 1860s um adolf cambry was a cabinet maker so all the cabinetry and woodwork here in the home is original to the 1860s. And um, even the windows are all the original hand-blown glass from the 1860s. So, so look at my backyard there. And you might be able to see a little bit of the Mississippi River right there because we are right on the Mississippi here. Yeah, that's beautiful. You can definitely see right out to the uh, river. So um, yeah. how close is the river do you feel a lot of energy coming from the river at times uh yeah at times there's just there's a lot of energy here on this property period um so we're on top of a limestone bluff here uh this is all limestone um i've got the mississippi river just right there and then on the ravine over here in that direction um there's a natural mineral spring here on the property. Um, all the water from the mineral spring comes, flows right underneath the house here. So there really is a lot of energy in this location. Um, outhouse, that's original too. <laughs> Everybody gets excited about the original outhouse. Um, this... This is the downstairs bedroom. Uh, my grandmother stenciled the floor to mimic what would have been in the 1860s. And the cabinet here in the corner is an original piece made by Adolf Cambry. Um, my grandparents added running water, so I have a bathroom. Woohoo! <laughs> um, that's the so only So you don't change. have to actually go and use the outhouse then? Yes, no, you don't have to do that. That's the only change my grandparents made was adding running water. Much to our relief. Um, these are the original stairs. You can tell they're well-worn. Um, the paint here on the wall, this is the original milk paint from the 1860s. When we go upstairs, um, most of everything up here is original. This is the original floor. And I'll give you a view of this upstairs window because it's really pretty. <laughs> um, after my grandparents passed away, uh, that we were discussing what was going to become of the property here. And um, I decided to buy it to continue what they had done here, um, preserving the history of the home. And, um, and then I had to figure out how I was going to support preserving the history of the home. And uh, we had, it had several cousins get married out here over the years. So I decided to go ahead and 
open the house up for weddings. So I, you know, like I said, I told people we were having weddings and then, um, then we realized it was haunted. Um, we started having some activity. Um, everybody says, well, didn't you realize it was haunted before that? It's like, well, no, <laughs> because, um, like I said, my grandparents never lived here. Um, we didn't, we didn't come out here after dark when it was dark, it was time to go home and everybody went home. So we didn't, we didn't spend a lot of time here in the dark. We didn't spend time here by ourselves. Um, whenever I was out here, there was always umpteen bazillion cousins and lots and lots of family out here. So I was never really out here by myself, but then, like I said, after I bought it, um, this is the upstairs bedroom. Yeah, my camera doesn't like focusing in this room very often. <laughs> Does it happen often? Or is it just because there's like big open windows that have light coming in? Um, this happens a lot. Um, it's just this room. Okay. Um, so this room, <laughs> this room is Fritz's bedroom. Um, Fritz was Adolf and Hortense's son that ran the farm after they passed away. Um, and we have some activity from Fritz. Um, Fritz uh, committed suicide after he uh, retired from farming. Um, so let's see. Uh, did that happen inside the property or inside the house itself or do you know? No, that happened in California. Um, Fritz decided he was going to retire from the life of being a farmer, and he, um, let's see, I'm going to flop my camera back around. So he decided he was going to retire from being a farmer, and he sold the property to a nephew. And so the nephew takes over, and Fritz decides he's going to um, go on, go visit, travel the country and visit nephews and cousins and stuff. And so when he gets to California visiting nephews out there, he uh, found out he had a terminal disease, terminal illness, and ended up committing suicide in California. Um, so I have some letters that he had written from around that time period, and he was very critical of the nephew and how the nephew was taking care of the property. And um, yeah, it's kind of a sad, sad story there. Um, as to the Cambries that died on the property, um, I have all that history from Fritz. Fritz wrote down the entire Cambry family history with uh, four generations, um, how they lived, how they died. He, he'd written all that out. So I have a lot of information from Fritz. Um, but Adolf and Hortense actually died here on the property. Um, two, no, I'll take that back three of their children died here on the property. Um, Eglantine Cambry died at the age of nine here on the property, um, just from a childhood illness. Um, Camille Cambry uh, drowned in the river actually in his twenties. Um, he'd been swimming in the river and got sucked under a barge. And then Anita, Anita and Fritz, uh, never got married and ran the farm here after their parents passed away. Um, so I need a house here on the property as well. So what's the energy of the people that used to own it and then 
several of them passing away. Do you feel that they're the ones that are still there doing things around the property? Yeah, I really, there's just a, a real sense of peace when you're out here. This is just really a peaceful property with a lot of peaceful energy. Um, almost everybody who is here will remark on the sense of peace they feel out here. Um, and this was a happy home for the Cambries. I know a lot of people when they're talking about ghosts, they're always like, oh, there's ax murderers and all kinds of stuff. And that's not what we have here at Cambry. This is a happy home that they just loved and chose not to leave after they passed away. Um, Eglantine Cambry, like I said, she passed away at the age of nine. Um, and her, she actually passed away before her family built this home. Uh, they, they were here on the property, a small cabin while they were building the bigger home here. But um, we get a lot of activity here in the home from Eglantine. Um, just a lot of knocks and noises. And it's fun when we're doing investigations, there'll be a knock upstairs. We'll all run upstairs to investigate. And then there'll be a knock downstairs where we'll all go back downstairs to figure out the knock is up there. And then, you know, back and forth and like a game of hide and seek with the paranormal investigators. Um, Eglantine really, really <laughs> enjoys when we're investigating. She actually loves the interaction. Um, uh, that's why I like opening the house up for paranormal investigations because Eglantine gets so excited when, when we're doing investigations. She just actually loves the interaction. Um, and we, uh, Eglantine, like I said, she died at the age of nine here on the property. Um, when we've done investigations, though, we've heard that there's a little here as well um, who passed away at the age of nine. Um, and it's a nephew to Eglantine Cambry. Um, back when we first started doing investigations, you know, I had a, I had teams come through with mediums and they would say, well, there's a little boy here who died at the age of nine. And I'm like, well, yeah, there's a little girl here who died at the age of nine. And we did a lot of back and forth of, well, you know, they, it was an illness. I'm like, yeah. And Died at the age of nine. Yes, she was a twin. I'm like, yeah, with this, she was a twin. I have, I'll have a lot of documentation on the Cambries. Um, so anyway, they were going on and on, and and kept saying it was a boy, and I kept saying no, it's a girl. And um, finally, after doing investigations for a while, and me going through my Cambry family history, I finally found the boy who died at the age of nine, and his name is Lewis. He was a nephew to Eglantine, um, a grandson of the Cambries who didn't actually live here on the property. He lived just down the road. Um, so he would have spent a lot of time here as a child. Um, obviously he likes it now. <laughs> so, but there were, there were a lot of interesting sinks with Eglantine and Lewis. Eglantine, you know, died at the age of nine. Lewis died at the age of nine. Um, Eglantine is a twin. And Lewis as well was a twin. So it was just, so strange to go through that process of figuring out that I have two ghosts who died at the age of nine. That's great that you could actually connect those though, because a lot of times when people try to do their family history research, sometimes they cannot connect the dots and find the proper information. But it's great that you were able to use the mediumship abilities from somebody and connect the dots to your history. That's great. 
Right. And that's one of the exciting things about investigating out here at Cambry is I have um, tons of history of the property, history of the Cambries and, you know, what they did in life. Um, and so generally, if you're interacting with a ghost, I can tell you most likely who it is. Um, like I said, if it's an older male, it's going to be um, Fritz or Adolf. Or, you know, if it's an older female, it's going to be Hortense or Anita. Um, so, yeah, that's one of one of the things that people like when they come out here to investigate is I can give them a pretty good idea of who they're interacting with. So let's talk about that for a minute about the investigations now. Um, you know your history about the property because your family had it in their past for quite a while. At what point did you go from, okay, I want to host weddings here to I want to host paranormal investigations? What made you do that switch? Um, I spent the night. <laughs> um, I, we, we had never really spent the night out here as kids. And then after I bought it, um, well, I was doing some cleanup work and stuff and I'm like, well, I'm going to spend the night, you know? And, um, so when I came to spend the night, I had my daughter with me and she was eight at the time and she was, um, she was okay until I told her we were spending the night at which point she was like, no, uh, she did not want to sleep in any bedroom in this house. You know, I have bedroom, I have beds. She did not want to sleep in any of the beds and any of the beds. That was just like a hard, hard no. <laughs> Completely freaked out on me. Um, did not want to sleep in a bed. Um, I finally convinced her that we really were going to spend the night in this house. And she finally consented to sleep um, in the living room on the floor on a twin size air mattress. And I had to sleep with her. <laughs> so I did not sleep very well that night. Um, like I said, I'm on a twin size air mattress with an eight year old glued to my side. And I was just not very restful sleep experience. Um, but my sister was with me on this weekend and she slept upstairs with her six month old puppy. And in the middle of the night, puppy had to go outside to go to the bathroom. I mean, she's a little puppy, that's what they do. Um, so she got up in the middle of the night, took the puppy out. The shoe. So she walks down the stairs right by my head, since I'm sleeping in the middle of the living room floor, and then out the front door. Um, and then back in up the stairs. Like I said, I wasn't sleeping very well anyway, <laughs> let alone with her like walking down the stairs right behind me, right beside me and all that. And um, she woke me up three times. I, you know, didn't open my eyes or anything because I was trying to sleep. Um, so I heard somebody go out the door three times and the next morning I asked her, I said, well, you know, you did pretty good with that puppy. You only went outside three times. And she said, no, we went, only went outside twice. She's like, I slept really good. I'm like, what? No, you went outside three times. You walked right beside me. I heard you. And she says, no, I didn't. Like, yes, you did. And we argued about this for a little bit and then came to the realization that she'd actually gone outside three times uh, or twice, just the twice. And there was a third time that uh, was not my sister. <laughs> and I don't know who it was. And uh, could, there was nobody else in the house. So there was nobody else that could have been. So we, we got to thinking like, well, what else has happened in here in the house that might be paranormal? Um, so. 
Then we go to doors. I have a lot of door stories because um, the doors in this house have always opened. So ever since my grandparents bought this house, the doors will open and close on their own. So I'll show you what. <laughs> um, this little attic door here, this attic door has opened on its own since the day my grandparents bought it. Um, the storage now, and this door will actually like swing shut on its own. So when you come upstairs and this door, which is solidly latched, it's not like this door is moving, but this door will be open. We'll come in the house and that attic door will be open. Um, so it's more of they do it when you're not in the house and not there, you'll come back and see it open. Um, a lot of times you'll come back and see it open, but it has opened when you're just there. Um, go to the next door. <laughs> so this basement door here, when my grandparents owned this, they had craft shows here. Um, and the checkout lane would be right here in the kitchen. So we'd have a whole bunch of people here. And this door would open by itself. And, you know, it's an old house. Doors open, right? <laughs> That's what they always said. But this door opened enough that they stationed a kid, namely me, um, in front of this door to make sure it stayed shut. Now, you know, looking back as paranormal investigators, we think about things a little bit differently. So this door, why would this door open on its own? It's solid. It's solidly yeah, shut. Just from me doing that right now on video, I can see it looks like a fairly solidly built door. So... It's a solidly built door. I mean, this is, and I can't tell you how many times I stood here and this door popped open and I had to shut it again. <laughs> so thinking back on those things that um, we were like, well, we might have something going on here. Um, so I had a friend who was starting a paranormal team about that point. And so I contacted him to see if he would come out and investigate. Um, I wanted an outside team that wasn't myself or my own family um, to investigate because I wanted that disconnect. You know, I have my own preconceived notions about the farm out here. And I'm like, I wanted an outside perspective. Um, when they came out here to do that investigation, it was really active. They got a ton of responses on the spirit box. Um, we heard noises all night, um, footsteps and things. And it was just a crazy investigation, super active. And from that point on, it's like, okay, well, we definitely have activity out here. Um, so we started doing public ghost tours and we've had it available to rent for investigations too, as well as the weddings. <laughs> Yeah, as long as they don't schedule them at the same time, we have a haunted wedding at the same time. So, <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, I and it's I have wedding couples go through and they're like, "Well, is it haunted?" And I'm like, "Yeah," <laughs> but not like in a scary way. It's more of a Casper type haunting, um, and it really is. I really feel like it here. It's a it's a friendly haunting. There, this was a happy home, and they love it when we treat it like that, when we treat it like a happy home. So. 
and that's the best way to do it you know it's like a lot of people do investigations in different ways right like some people will take the aggressive approach and try to provoke spirits into doing something or others will take a nicer approach and be like talk to people like normal right you just talk to the spirits as normal and i think that's really the best way to go about doing it especially if you're the property owner you don't want that energy to start getting negative right you want to keep it positive right yes exactly and and that's what i tell teams who are here um these ghosts may not be my blood family <laughs> but i consider them my family this is you know they're not they're, they like the interaction. They like interacting with teams. There's no reason to provoke them. Please treat them like family because, you know, they are <laughs> in a sense. So. Well, yeah, they're definitely relatives of yours. And I don't think you'd want to upset your own family, especially if they're in spirit forms. So. Um, right. So at that point, then you started to open up to tours and investigations. Um, yes. How did that go when it first started? Like, how did people receive your property? Um, well, of course, I didn't really have the whole, you know, backstory with the axe murderers or anything like that. I'm about two hours from Villisca here, uh, the axe murder house. <laughs> so I get compared to axe murders a lot. I came across me Reiki masters about 10 years ago. So I've had a lot of experience over the years. And they just tied a lot of the energies that were going on in and around me. In, in, that, in saying that, it, it's like we always hear about these experiences that people have that are sort of this awakening um, where they understand or maybe start to look closer at what's possible for us to do using things like intuition. My grandfather had just crossed over and uh, I was sleeping with my aunt and, and he tried to wake her up. So he kind of like was shaking her and saying that she, it was French, but he was saying, wake up, Lynn, wake up. And uh, she wouldn't wake up. And then I looked at him and I screamed because I just went to his funeral. Of course, over time, you know, these things that he was talking about that were to come that hadn't taken place yet, um, did all start unfolding as he had predicted. Um, thank you for being here. I apologize for that, but I think we had a disconnect on some connection between us and Rebecca. But uh, we are back here for part two. Um, she was just talking to us about how different um, paranormal teams and crews have come in to investigate her property when they first started doing investigations on her property. So let's pick it up from there again and uh, quickly go over sort of where you left off. Yeah, so I kind of left off with, you know, being nervous about having ghost tours out here for the first time. Um, it was just, you know, you can't tell the ghosts. Well, I mean, you can, but are they really listening when you say, okay, ghost tour time, guys, let's go. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, just, you just never know. Um, and so then, like, when we had tours, everybody had an experience. And that was just really exciting. And then when you have like couples who are coming where one is really a believer and the other one's just there for their friend. Um, and then they have an experience and that just is really awesome. We had one, um, one tour last year that, um, we started off in the barn and the guy had his wedding ring caught on the bench as he went to sit down and his wedding ring fell off and he found it and he picked it up and he put it on. It wasn't it was one of those little inconsequential events that happen, but you don't really think about. 
Um, and then afterwards, you know, nobody really mentions it. Everybody saw it. The entire tour saw him drop his ring, but nobody really mentioned it. Um, so when they do a tour here, they start in the barn with me and then they come into the house and they have a paranormal team in here for them to investigate with. Um, so they came in the house for the investigation part and that there was a group upstairs using the uh, ITC box um, doing spirit box communication. Um, and then there was a group downstairs. So the man who lost the ring decides he's going to go upstairs with the other group. And just as he gets to the top of the stairs, the spirit box said ring. One of those crisp, clear spirit box things where everybody's like, it said ring. And the entire tour, number one, knew what the spirit box was talking about. They were totally blown away. Um, and the paranormal team that was helping them was totally clueless because they had no idea that he'd lost his ring in the barn. And then when he gets inside to have that happen, they were just totally blown away. And we can't explain it. We have no explanation for how, how the, how, yeah, it was just so weird. Yeah. So it's weird that that happens sometimes. Like people are investigating in one area of the property and other people can be in a different area, but have no idea what's happening. So um, has stuff like that happened quite often? Like do people that go there to investigate usually get evidence right away? Yeah. Yeah. Usually, um, usually they get some form of evidence. I mean, whether it's like uh, an experience or um, EVPs, we've had a few EVPs out here. Um, we've had lots and lots of noises. Um, there was a team that was investigating upstairs and they heard something fall down here and they can't, I mean, it was one of those, it was a loud audio where you could hear something fall and they came downstairs and went through everything and they could never figure out what fell. Um, there's been times where they'll see shadows. We have a lot of shadows, especially out in the yard. Um, outside in the yard, there'll be a lot of shadow figures walking through the yard. Um, I actually have a lot of Native American activity out here. So our mineral spring was considered a med medicinal spring by the Native Americans, and they're known to have used the spring here. Um, I also have two desecrated Native American burial mounds here on the property, um, and they are, we don't do investigations out there. Um, but, but we're still on the property. Um, so anyway, the shadow figures in the yard are related to the Native American activity out here. Uh, what type of activity do you get from them mostly? Do you just mostly seek what shadows running by or are there other things that happen? Um, mostly shadows. Um, a lot of times there would just be a feeling of being watched. Um, you'll hear footsteps walking with you and you won't see anyone. Um, and then my son stayed out here. And one of my favorite stories of his from staying out here, he had, um, he was out here by himself and it was winter and it was the very first snow of the season. And it was the big fat fluffy flakes. And he went outside to go look at something 
and um, we'll we'll show you where he was. <laughs> since since and we're uh, actually for here. the people watching right now live here on our Facebook at Haunting Light Podcast, uh, you guys can watch um, us along here, and she's gonna walk outside and show show you the area. Yeah. Um, but for listening later on, just describe what you're doing as well. Right, right. So he walks out here and we're about 10, 10, 20 feet away from the house. So at the corner of the house where that chair is now, he, he turns around to come back inside. He comes outside, sees the snow. He turns around to come back inside and about where that chair is at on the corner of the house, he sees a figure standing there. There's a person standing there. He looks at the person. The person looks back at him. And the person ducks down and runs around the corner of the house. Now, there's fresh snow on the ground. So he goes inside, grabs a flashlight, and comes back out thinking that he's going to track the person in the snow. And he came back outside with the flashlight, and there were no footsteps. Fresh snow. He gets over here. There are no footprints at all none it's all fresh snow there was never anybody there well that's a case of um no evidence for sure on that one because like i said it was fresh snow so there would definitely be footprints or something there well yeah i mean when you're <laughs> when you're that close i mean he could see, he didn't get a whole lot of details because it was night um but it, it was close enough where he was positive there was a solid person standing there and then to to come around and then have no footprints he was it was very very startling <laughs> um can he, so did yeah, he was he able to give any type of a description on the person was it male or female or was it could they tell what they were wearing type of clothing um he didn't really get an idea or of clothing he thought it was male um but he didn't not as much description as the mama wanted. Mom wanted <laughs> a lot of description. And he was like, I think it was the guy. <laughs> he was really expecting to find a trespasser, you know, and he was thinking he was going to have to call, you know, the police that we had a trespasser on the property. Um, he was trying to give him time to get further away. So he didn't have to actually physically confront the person and then it, to walk around there and see no tracks. It was very, very startling. Was that one of his first experiences into the paranormal or did he have anything before that actually happened? <laughs> he, he didn't really have any paranormal experiences until he started staying out here. Um, and he, he had all, he has all kinds of stories. Um, he's, he's locked himself out. <laughs> so the front door, he's pulled the front door behind him and then realized he's locked out. And he says he's got a, a decided that he'll walk around to the back door and check the back door to see if it's um, unlocked. And then when he gets around to the front, it's, it's unlocked. Just in that quick, oh, well, I'll go check the back door. And then when he comes back around, it's already unlocked. They've unlocked the door for him. <laughs> um, Sounds it, like they're kind of playing with them. So it's possibly the child spirits that are there. Sounds like it's kind right. of like a playing game. Yes. And um, knocking on the front door happens so much that he will not answer the front door unless it's repeated knocking. <laughs> uh, he just got tired of answering the door and having no one be there. So he 
uh, doesn't answer the door when people knock. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we have a lot of very uh, playful activity that goes on here in the house. Um, like I said, I have happy gears. They're playful and they enjoy the interaction. They really do. Yeah, it seems like they're definitely playful or positive spirits anyway. They're not negative or causing any harm to anybody or anything. So right. Um, right. less so for possibly the ones outside because you were mentioning about the desecrated native burial ground. Um, what part of it do you believe is desecrated? Like what what do you think happened there? Um, so around 1820, the um, the mounds in this area were all dug up, all the artifacts and bones were taken out and sold um, on the black market. So there was a big market at that point for Native American items. And so they just took all the items out of the burial mounds and sold them. So, uh, yeah, that would be desecration for sure. Yeah. Um, so instead of a mound like you would traditionally think of a mound, um, mine is actually a depression in the ground that's about 20 foot around. Um, I have the local Native American Council come out. Um, they confirmed that they are burial mounds um, or were, I guess maybe it should be past tense. Um, but that uh, they did a blessing ceremony out here for me. Um, so that was really nice. Um, but but yeah, that's that's why they're desecrated because there's nothing, no bones or artifacts left in them. Yeah, and I I think the spirits of those graves would be upset that they're no longer there for sure. Um, and it's wonderful that they came out to at least do the ceremony for you and help put some peace on the property. At least, did they do like a smudging ceremony for you or? Yeah. Yeah, they did a really um, intricate uh, smudging blessing ceremony out there for me. Um, it was I was super excited that they came out um, and then to have them do that ceremony for me. It was great. Um, gave me <laughs> a little more peace of mind. And and I really thought it was the, the proper thing to do out there to try to make some sort of restitution. I mean, it's not like I can go out and find find the, the bones and stuff and put them back. Um, it's not possible at this point, but, you know, at least make some sort of effort to show that my respect for them here. Um, like I said, the outside is more, it's more protective energy, um, peaceful, but, but protective. I mean, when you think about this home uh, being uninhabited, basically from 1970 until um, like 2019, when my son stayed here, um, I have all the original hand-blown glass windows. Um, we haven't really had any vandalism or anything out here, um, which when you think about an abandoned house in the middle of the woods, uh, kids find it and they, they tear it up, but that's never happened here out at Cambry. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. You have all those decades of uh, no destruction or anything on the property. Do you think the spirits of the property have played a hand in that? Yeah, I think so. Um, we had, when we were asking around about different ghost stories for out here, um, one of the few that we got back was from a person who had come out here to try and do some vandalism. Um, they, they were up to no good, you know, and they had walked up to the house and a figure had walked out towards them from the house um, and then dissolved in front of them. Um, 
and they turned tail and ran. <laughs> so I wonder um, if it was the same figure that your son saw outside that day. It might have been. I don't know. I mean, I the person who told that story, that's a secondhand story because they didn't want to tell me to my face. <laughs> Um, and, uh, they didn't, they didn't really give any details of the person. And of course my son didn't get a whole lot of details of the person either. So could have been the same. I don't know. Yeah. I guess you're not going to get too much details out of a trespasser. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think it was more, he was so scared. I don't know if he would have known <laughs> anything or what he saw, except that the person dissolved in front of them and they just, they booked it. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you have um, a lot of nice energy there, a lot of calming energy and a lot of protective energy as well. So I think you're in safe hands with your spirits at your place. Yes, I think so too. Are you going to continue to allow investigations at your place then? Yeah, sure. It is um, on my website. Um, just contact me to book an investigation out here. Um, I do public ghost tours still. Um, once in June and once again in October. So in June, I have a paranormal fair out here. Um, it's a big metaphysical fair with uh, different paranormal teams and vendors and stuff. And um, that's in June. And then we do ghost tours as well that, those, that weekend. And then we'll do ghost tours in October as well. Sounds great. And uh, what are you guys doing aside from that? Do you have any kind of special projects or things that you have planned besides just the ghost tours or what do you have planned oh, in the future? There's always another project. Um, I'm still doing weddings out here. Um, and I do, I have a craft show coming up on Memorial Day, which in the United States is May 31st. Um, and I have a big craft show in the yard and the house is free to tour. Um, that's in like in May. I do painting classes out here and we just have a lot of fun. So what are your plans for the future for the family part of it? Are you planning on passing it on or are you planning on like giving well, it to somebody to. to carry on tours or what's that end of things? Um, I hope I hope my kids are gonna take it over. Um that's my plan. I don't know if it's their plan yet, but I guess we'll find out. Um, otherwise, um, I talked about doing a, a trust, you know, forming forming a nonprofit board to run the farm out here. But for now, it's me on my own. <laughs> so. No, that might be a good way to preserve the history as well. Maybe somebody that's like a board overlooking your property and the home can actually maintain it for the future as well. So, right, right. Especially yeah, if your if kids aren't comfortable with the spirits there yet. Yeah, my kids are uh, in their 20s and my youngest is um, 12. So <laughs> they're not really ready to make that lifetime commitment yet of taking over the farm. Um, but maybe one day, maybe one day we'll see. Yeah, maybe one day the spirit shall make their presence known and uh, make their choice for them or something. So, right. well, thank you very much, Rebecca. It's been wonderful to talk to you today about your home and your farm and your property and its history. And also, it's wonderful that it's got a family connection as well that you guys can pass on, hopefully, to the rest of your family in the future. So, it sounds like you're in good hands with the spirits there. 
Yes, I think so. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I always like giving a tour of the house and sharing the history mm -hmm. out here. That's that's what we try to do is share the history of the farm here. Yeah, uh, history and paranormal go hand in hand, so it's perfect. So you have a beautiful exactly. place along the Mississippi River and uh, down there in Illinois. So thank you so much for being here today. Um, do you have a website that you want to say quickly before we go away so people can find you? Yeah, it's cambryhouse.com. Um, if you type in Cambry pretty much anywhere, C-A-M-B-R-E, you should find me. Okay. Wonderful, Rebecca. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It was great meeting you, and uh, you're welcome back here on Haunting Life Podcast at any time. So let us know if you have any more experiences out there. So. <laughs> okay, I will. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much. And that was Rebecca Williamson. Uh, she is the owner of Cambrai House in Illinois, USA. Uh, she has a lot of activity happening down there. It's in her family for quite a while. And uh, we thank her so much for taking time out to be here with us here on Haunting Live Podcast this week. Uh, we do apologize. We had a little disconnection issue there with the software here on the studio, but uh, we reconnected as soon as possible and uh, continued on. I will be reposting an edited uh, version of this podcast later on either tonight or tomorrow it might be delayed just a little bit because uh, this past weekend uh, we were out investigating in Stratford Ontario and we have a special investigation uh, video coming up for you guys that's going to be posted on our social media so watch out for that it's a uh, exclusive access information only so you guys are the first people to actually get to watch this and we're the first people ever to be able to investigate in this location as well so um, that video is going to be posted shortly here, hopefully later on tonight, and then hopefully we'll get this podcast posted up as well for you guys soon. So, But thank you guys so much for being here today. I do appreciate you following us here on Haunting Life Podcast. Uh, thanks for following us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram as well. And of course, you can listen to us on the podcast apps later on. But just before we let you go, guys, today, um, there's a couple things we need to go over before we sign off for this episode. Uh, as always, uh, please check out our website. There's a bunch of stuff on there you guys can check out. We have an uh, email list that you can sign up for. You get emails, advanced notice of the next month's guests that are coming up and other things that we send out prior to being posted on social media. So you get to find out firsthand if you're on the email list. Um, you can sign up just on our website on the homepage. Um, also on our website, you can sign up for public events that are going to be coming up this year. Uh, we have one coming up in October this year for our October Halloween event. It's going to be held at the Queen's Inn in Stratford, right where we had our investigation this past weekend. And uh, there's going to be a public event, a two-day on Friday and Saturday, October 29th and 30th. Tickets are 140 for the whole weekend, and details are under our events tab on the website. So go to hauntedlightpodcast.com slash events, and you can buy your tickets right there for that wonderful event. Um, also, on our website, we have a merch area. Banners right down there on the website right now um, on the podcast here. You guys can check out our great merch that we have available. Things that we use every day in the paranormal field, such as crystals, smudgy materials, pendulums, handmade items, and more. You can go check out some great items on our merch. And right now we are actually having a half-off sale. So enjoy half-off prices on the whole site of the merch page. So everything is on sale half-off right now if you go there and check it out. 
And that's about all, guys. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully you'll tune in. Uh, I'll repost this podcast up later on. Uh, Got to edit it together and put it up. But uh, uh, also editing our recent investigation we just did this past weekend. So it might be a slight delay on things this week. But thank you guys so much for following us. We appreciate all your support and putting in the work into Hauling Light Podcast. Um, like I said, follow us on social media. Share our work as the best way to support us. So... Thank you guys so much. Hope you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to seeing you guys back here next week. So have a great weekend to stay safe. Did you hear that?